How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, baby. Hello, my love. Let's get it started. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <clears throat> that's like right. I like that's a great one. Yeah, that's a great way to start the show, <laughs> as opposed to saying ready to talk about some sex. <laughs> oh God, um, bride. We are in the same room, which is a rarity these days. Although I feel like we said that last week. We did. And we and, were in the same room last week, too. And it was a rarity. And then. it was in Nova Scotia. And now we're in the same place on PEI. On PEI. <clears throat> because, baby, to yesterday was our ninth wedding anniversary. It doesn't seem like nine years. It doesn't feel like nine years. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Nine years is a long freaking time. Well, when I calculated that... Um, 
that we've been together for 12 years, which is a third of my life. Wow. That seems wild to me. Yeah. I'm having a a weird year of numbers, if you don't recall. I am the same age right now that my dad was when I was born. Right. And uh, that means I'm exactly half his age. Uh, Well, I am exactly half his age. And then there was uh, some other number stuff. We talked about it. Scroll yeah. back a few episodes and <clears throat> remind me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a wild thing to think, and um, I just want you know we'll get this out of the way. Yesterday, I came over to the to the island to to celebrate our ninth wedding anniversary, and we had the most lovely day. It was we started by <clears throat> um, waking up early, and you, me, our friends. Um, Jenna and Aaron and uh, your partner Todd. We all <clears throat> we all drove to another part of the island and we went out on kayaks and stand up paddle boards and went up this river. It was very picturesque, very cute. And then and then we went and had a lovely lunch as a crew. And then we came. We came home, dropped off all of our, our all of our pals, and you and I. You cut your toenails. I cut my toenails because I do do not like anyone cutting my toenails but me. And we went into town to get a pedicure, which we've been doing. It's kind of becoming a tradition, mm-hmm. getting pedicures together on our wedding anniversary, and that was really nice. It was like just you and I in this little treatment room, and the ladies that did our our nails were lovely, and and you got this beautiful. Uh, Shiny, shiny kind of gold. It's like a lilac-y color, right? It's called First Light. Yes, and I went with Creative, which is is the fucking brightest orange (laughs) that you you literally need sunglasses to look at my toes. And then we... Patrons, we're going to send you a photo of our toes later. Yeah, 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 you'll get all the foot... (laughs) <laughs> foot material and then and then we went and we had uh we sat in a park and we just had a couple of drinks together in this like lovely little secluded area in a park and just talked about our love and what our love means to one another and and our relationship over the last you know 12 years mm-hmm. and then we went and had oysters and came home to the cottage we were staying at with yeah. our, with our friends aaron and jenna and, and todd and there was a fucking meteor shower like what a what beautiful. a perfect day. It was a beautiful day. I honestly like it was one of my favorite days with you. It was one of my favorite days with you too. And, and you know what I thought about when we were paddling is what? uh the morning you asked me if I would marry you. Oh Re- yeah. Remember that? Yeah, we were also right. in some water. That's right. I asked you to marry me in uh in a canoe at six in the morning. Fog Filled. I mean, maybe maybe I'm romanticizing the memory, but in my mind, it was foggy. I, it was foggy. There were, you couldn't see a thing. There were lily pads surrounding the canoe. Mm-hmm. Couldn't see a goddamn thing. We were on uh, what lake was that? Uh, lake Ontario. No, no, it wasn't Lake Ontario. You goof. It was out by the cottages. The what starts with a W. We're cottage country in Ontario. Muskoka. Yeah, not a W. Yeah, Lake Muskoka, not Lake Ontario. Oh, I thought it was on Lake Ontario. No, 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 no. 
Why like, is that so ridiculous? It's in fucking Ontario. Lake Ontario? We might as well, I might as well have asked you to marry me in a canoe in the middle of the fucking Atlantic Ocean. People surf Lake Ontario. Oh, right. It's a giant body of water. No, this is like a cute little lake. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of reminiscent of the time I asked you to marry me. Yeah. And, uh, and I loved, I loved, and I don't know if our listeners have picked this up over the years um, and episodes that we were both really cynical about marriage, <laughs> but we have, but we have like, but we're married, but we're pretty happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but neither of us would ever get married again. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> but Similar- we, you know, it's, we were talking about this yesterday and we don't have to get into this cause I, I actually quite like, um, I like having a, some semblance of privacy now in my life. Um, but we, we did kind of talk about yesterday about how, just how unique our relationship is and how, how hard it is to put to words what our marriage is to other people. Yeah. It, in my gut, in my heart, in my mind, it, it just is. And it makes a lot of sense. But mm-hmm. when, when you try to describe the, cause it's, it's so not what the storybooks have told us. It's so not what our parents ha- are, have, you know, have been, have raised us to see, to, to see. It, it's so, it's so, it's so wholly unique to you and I. And I love that. I love that about us and our love. I love that too. I love you. I love you. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. All right. Barf, so. barf, barf. You know what's killing me though right now in this moment is that we went for lunch yesterday at a a lovely brewery. You really enjoyed the beer, right? Bogside Brewery and PEI. Fuck, you guys nailed it with the uh, the fact that we didn't go to Copper Bottom Brew. Oh, right, the fucking copper thing. Yeah. God, we we didn't we didn't get anything for each other. We were talking about how. Nine years, you get you you get the copper pressed again, coin from Peggy's Cove. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. But again, we we're trying not to. Uh, I don't know what the fuck's going on with my throat. I'm going to be clearing it all. We need a cough button. Fucking, yeah, I know. I heard Will Ferrell refer to the cough button when he was on. Uh, they have that Conan ra- O'Brien's. They have that in radio. It, it makes sense. Yeah. It totally makes radio sense. stations have a little button. If you ever do an interview in a radio station, you can press it. They won't tell you not to. There's a little yeah. button in front of you, and it's, it says like a it's like a it's like a mute button. You yeah. just press it when you go to cough. <laughs> what if you just pressed it all the time, even when you were <laughs> when you weren't coughing? That would You'd be. be... Like, I'll tell you this off the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I never. Uh, I I I have since COVID started heard um, people on the radio sound way more le- way less produced and way more like they're recording out of their own homes. Because um, they are. Because I hear them yeah. coughing now, and I'm like, this happened. feels weird. Yeah, right. This feels it's not right at all. Yeah, uh, yeah not, with the, not with our show, and not with me, that's for sure. I love it when the radio does silly things, like um, CBC, uh, one day I was listening, and they played this really great, I want to say like a Daniel Lanois song, and after it was over, he goes, man, what a great song. Let's play it again. <laughs> and he just <laughs> ran it a second time. Yeah, that's incomplete. Great. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I love. I'm loving CBC right now. Um, so also, little. So that was yesterday. That was great. Mm-hmm. It was lovely. Um, fucking PEI is just so beautiful right now. Um, if you're in the Atlantic bubble, get your ass over here, folks. Get it. Get it in while you can. I'm yeah. telling you. 
it's pretty interesting to be on an island that I grew up on that summers were, I mean, growing up my summers, I wasn't aware of like the tourists, I don't think, because I was just a kid mm. and I was on the beach and everyone was on the beach. Mm-hmm. But walking around Charlottetown there, with the significant absence of other people. It's pretty interesting. It's really yeah. interesting. I mean, it's yeah. all, it doesn't seem super weird because there's lots, still lots of people, but the restaurants being empty mm. and the theaters being closed. And yeah. oh, it's just so strange. Uh, folks, we got an amazing conversation coming up for you uh, a little bit later, speaking with a, a woman named Kate. And uh, spoiler alert, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, then you are going to find this conversation very intriguing. I will not uh, spoil that any further. We'll leave that for when we get to it. Um, but I do want to. I do want to talk about one thing, Bride. What's that? I want to just talk about. I don't want to go too far into this because of reasons that will be obvious to you and me. But I want to say that <clears throat> I've had so. So I have a therapy appointment coming up. Yeah. Um, on Monday. Yeah. It'll be my first therapy appointment outside of the couples therapy that we sought out a couple of years back. <clears throat> and I'm really excited to speak with a therapist because um, it came to my attention. Uh, I started to no longer be in denial of the fact that like, I think for the last six months I've been um, pretty legitimately depressed and, uh, and you know, for sure, I think that played a role, a, a, at least a, a small partial role in um, this breakup that I just went through. And uh, it's been a really tough, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on the podcast, but it's been a tough, it's been a tough past six months. And, uh, but I, I, the last seven days, <clears throat> seven, eight days, I haven't, I can't remember the last time I've been this happy. And I, and it's, it's all, it's all due to just a, it's all due to just like, um, to human connection. And I'm feeling like super fucking grateful for, um, for this like friendship this new friendship that I've developed <clears throat> and, um, and it's just brought me a lot of like a lot of peace and it's brought me a lot of like clarity and uh, yeah. So I, I know that there was a lot of people that, that have reached out to me via Instagram or email or whatever to express um, just express that they've, you know, they, to say that they they hear me and they're you know they're offering support and there's just a lot of really amazing uh, uh, a lot of our amazing listeners have like reached out and I just want to let all of you know who have reached out if I didn't get back to you don't take it personally um, and if I did get back to you again thank you um, but I just want everyone to know that I'm feeling really good and I'm feeling really happy. And really excited about some potential opportunities that just might arise and new practices that I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm really like getting into. So 
Cool. What, a, what a week. What a fucking week. Isn't it amazing <laughs> how things can feel so like uh, hopeless or mm. like just unmovable? And yeah. and then when you're having a really good day or a really good moment or week or, you know, things are the other side of the coin, <clears throat> it's like, oh my God. Last that last week was really hard. Yeah. Thank I thought that was never going to end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and seeing it from that sort of, you know, seeing it from the other side of that fence, it really is like a, a an astounding and and almost it's it's almost it's it's a shocking feeling. It's a shocking feeling to go, "Whoa. Wow, I was not okay." Mm. <clears throat> you know, and um yeah, I you know I was really I was really really fucked up, really like fucking really fucking heartbroken. Yeah, and I thought that feeling was going to last forever. I think I even said to you like, yeah, personally, I think I said like I'll never, I'll never get over this, mm-hmm. and and now I'm looking back at that, and and, and it's so funny because I'm going Jesus Christ, like that, you, you know. That was that was quite a quick turn around. Yeah. But now I'm sitting here and I'm going, oh no, you're okay. You'll be okay. And you are moving on and you are moving forward. And there's there's a there, you know, there's a whole lot of love out there. Mm. And and I'm just, you know, yeah, just making these realizations of things that just change that <clears throat> I would like to see come in my own life and and seeing things in myself that I that I was choosing to ignore that I that I don't like about myself and yeah, that's cool. I I think that uh, <coughs> Sonny, we were we were saying this yesterday to each other that so I I'm also pursuing therapy and um, and it's like in the moment you 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 need it and you reach out for it and it's like okay, but your appointment's now two weeks away and you're like okay, mm. and then two weeks later you're like, you know I'm. F- feeling pretty good yeah um but i think that if you if you stop there and you don't go i'm not i don't mean you like jeremy but if we if we didn't show up anyway to those appointments Mm. and try to you know even though we're feeling pretty good get to the bottom of like what what that what that is and how to how to navigate it the next time you feel it or the next time you feel other things you, you don't like about yourself coming up um it's like, actually, it's because you made the appointment that things are starting to shift. Mm. Even though you mm. haven't actually done the therapy. Haven't done it yet. That's the funny thing is I'm going, shit, man, I'm going to show up on Monday and be like, it's, I got it all figured out. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, which uh, that's, I know that that's not what's happening. But. but it's easy to be like, well, maybe I don't need to spend that yeah. $160 for an hour or whatever. Yes, you know totally. what I mean? Um, yeah. 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 Also, uh, I'll, you know what? Also, I'll just put this out there because I want to fucking say it before you do. I, <laughs> I is super into. Uh, no, no, it. no! Don't, don't fucking no, no! It's not that. Um, I'm, I've, I've met, I met this friend who sort of like blew my mind open with this with with tarot cards and uh, and I know, I know, man, I know for the last like five fucking years or whatever this podcast, how long it's existed, I've totally like ro- hard rolled my eyes. At- I hope some of you at home are 
screaming oh and God. pointing at the at the stereo. So she introduced headphones. me to tarot, and it blew my fucking mind. And now and and now I have a tarot deck, and I'm I'm playing. I'm, but you know what? I'm <clears throat> look. I'm playing with it. I'm pl- it's a pl- it's a to- it's like a toy to me. It's like a it's like this fun game that is like a that also doubles as like a fun way to be introspective and think about yourself. Agreed. And actually, I found out from my friend that uh, tarot actually originated as a game. So, oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm just playing a card game. All right, guys? Yeah, got it. So fucking relax. And you know what? It makes sense because you do like <laughs> those kinds of games. I do. Like, you know, sort of s- supernatural is not the right word, but like yeah, no, totally. otherworldly. Like, yeah, RPG, dungeon crawling, supernatural. Yeah. I love that shit. Yeah, it fits right in. Yeah, it fits, it fits right, right in. in. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I uh, so. t- uh, my sister gets her haircut um, in Salt Spring or in somewhere or in Victoria maybe um, by a woman who does tarot readings before she cuts hair. She'll do your tarot readings. There's a whole ceremony. Man, then she dude, cuts your hair. I fucking bet you Jen is into that shit. Yeah, Jen, if you're listening, Jen, Jen, I'm coming. I gotta come in and get freshened up. Uh, grab your tarot deck, lady. Yeah, she's a witch. She's a witch. Hundred percent. She's a total witch. <laughs> So, yeah, so to all my witches out there, uh, what's up? I see you, I hear you, and uh, I'm with you, I'm with y'all, y'all, you know, I, I'm, I am now too a witch. I don't like, I don't identify as a wizard. I do identify as, More a, as a witch. As a witch. What's the difference? Um, I don't know enough. Okay. I'll do some research. <laughs> okay. I did look it up though, because I was like, are there male witches? Because I, I, I do feel pretty witchy. <clears throat> There's male witches. Yeah, but I don't think so. So the term witch actually came from the original old English word was W I C C H E, mm. which was um, non, Wish. it was non, like it wasn't a genderized, uh. like male, female. What's the word I'm looking for there? It, was, it wasn't, uh, it was like a non binary term yeah. for someone who's practiced witchcraft. Yeah. Um, but then it, then it's, it was, you know, as words do, it morphed and evolved into W-I-T-C-H, which seems to hold more of a feminine, mm. uh, I don't know, fucking meaning. Right. So anyway, I, I, I identify as a W-I-C-C-H-E. Got it. A witch-e. Wish. A wish. <laughs> I like that. Le a wish. I think uh, I feel pretty witchy, too. I've always felt really witchy. I yeah. have a fucking witch tattoo. I have a tattoo of three witches floating around a fucking you, you didn't always fire. have a witch tattoo. I've, I was born with this goddamn <laughs> tattoo. I love to live deliciously. Um, deliciously? Is that what you said? Dost thou wish to live deliciously? What's that from? The witch. Oh. Oh, I like that. One of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, I... I, I <laughs> Want to credit the listener who told me to listen to this podcast called Something Rhymes with Purple. I think you'd really like it, Jeremy. This yeah? is my Just the Tips. Oh, okay, okay. cool. This is fun. Let's do um, this. <laughs> let me just bring it up on my podcast. Yeah, so Something Rhymes with Purple. I'm just listening to my first episode right now. Mm-hmm. It was sent to us after um, the, the listener reached out to us after uh, we were talking about how the word uh, Irregardless is now in the Oxford English Dictionary. And uh, actually, let me just see if I can find this. Irregardless. Because irregardless was, like, I guess that's, like, been a recently made-up word. Well, It's like a word that people just kind of, like, made up and said enough that Oxford was like, well, I guess we're tossing it in the... Um. 
Wow, this is totally not the email I was looking for. Anyway, speaking of words, speaking of, I know what the email you're looking at there. Uh, don't read that one. Uh, speaking of words, um, and my love of words, also something that's come up on this podcast quite a bit is uh, you know the we just we just love words over here. Um, fucking tarot, uh, the the there's the book. There's I mean, sure, there's many books, but the book that my friend has that's kind of like becoming my tarot guide she uh she whenever i pull my card for like my daily card i'll take a photo of it and send it to her and i'll say hey like this is my card for today can you can you send me a snapshot of what it says in your book i gotta get a book um is what i'm trying to say but in the book the description of the card and then like the divinitary divinatory meanings the words are so rich. Mm. There's words where I'm going, whoa, what is that word? That's a cool word. There's so many of those really. Uh, 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 Im- not immigration, but emigration was a word that came up the other day. And I was like, ooh, that's a, that's a nice word. I like that. It's, it, it's the opposite of immigration, leaving one's, oh. one's um, territory or leaving one's home. Okay. Emigration, E-M. Yeah. Have we always loved words or did we get this? In I think school. no. I think I've always loved words. I think you. I think you actually got me loving words when we first started dating, because you and I first started hanging out even before we were dating. We would hang out and we would take, we would take a handful of mushrooms or no, we would drink mushroom tea and get really high, and then we would sit around with a thesaurus and we would play the thesaurus game and the thesaurus the. The source game. game. And it's a game that you introduced to me. And it is the, you know, talking about games, if you don't have a tarot deck kicking around, um, but you have a thesaurus, grab that. That's super fun. You you basically, how it works is, um, this is actually one of the most fun games, especially when you're sitting around a campfire. It's Mm. amazing. Yeah. And it's it's good in groups of people. So the way it works is you take a thesaurus, you scan through the thesaurus and you find a word. So let's say the word is amazement. You don't tell anyone what the word is. You don't say the word is amazement. You you instead read all the synonyms to the word amazement and everyone has to guess what the word is. Mm-hmm. So they are all trying to guess amazement and you're giving them the clues by giving them the um, the the synonyms. So you know you're like bewildered, or you know whatever synonyms would be of amazement, and you read them over and over, and then you know you can kind of make up your rules in terms of like um, in terms of how you want to give clues, how you want, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like or, we would I, if we no one, if we were all stumped, <laughs> if we're all stumped, the first rule, the first uh, clue, step. yeah, the first step forward would, would yeah. be. So if I had chosen the word amazement, I'm getting, and you're trying to guess it, I would say. The synonyms that I most resonate with yes. for this word. Yes. So then now I'm introducing like my relationship to words yes. too. And be like, okay, and then I'll read you just the select ones that I think are the best. Mm-hmm. And then if nobody else can guess it, then there's the second the next clue is usually we use the first the first letter, letter. of the word mm-hmm. that is to be guessed. So A. Yeah. Yeah. Man, what a fucking easy simple, yeah. yet endlessly entertaining game. Yeah. And good for your brain. Yeah, so good for your brain. And then, yeah. and then, and then if still everyone is stumped, it's, you can break it down into syllables, like how many mm-hmm. syllables it mm-hmm. has. It's really like, mm-hmm. it's amazing just it's what a little, I wonder what's actually happening in your mind. If anybody, if there's any neuroscientists out there that can 
tell tell us what exactly is happening in your mind while you're searching for synonyms. Yeah, while you're searching your own th- inner thesaurus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, Super cool. And, and I'll tell you, it's one of those games, too, where say, you, say you're playing the game and you think you're really bad. I, I, tr- I promise you, no one's really bad at this game. It, sometimes, you'll get, sometimes someone will be on a, on a hot streak. Uh, and sometimes, you, you know, you might, you might be sucking for a bit. But th- everyone eventually will, will get a guess. And, yeah. and when you, it's, it's one of those feelings when you get it right. It's so satisfying. Yeah. It's such it's such a satisfying way game to win. Yeah, and and everyone's a winner because yeah, you just everyone just the, learns. There's no point system. Yeah, here. yeah you just you hand just... the it, the winner. Oh right, if you guess and you win, so so Bridie was like amazement. I go ah yeah, you got it, and then I give the the source to Bridie, and then she gets to pick a word. Yeah, that's my just the tips. And you know what's a really interesting also component to this game? Now that I think of it, is Somehow, we seem to pull words and decide on words that we believe the other people are going to be able to guess. Right. You know? Yeah. Because you could open it to the 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 sor- thesaurus and pick out a word that no one would fucking guess, but you don't do that in this. It just doesn't. No. That doesn't happen. No. And I think your brain probably gets a little sharper while while you when you are the one who has the word and mm-hmm. you and you're you're like anyway, yeah, cuz you're yeah, learning while I you go it. it's a great game yeah well so, we went down a fucking we went down a hole there so william that's for you because you reached out and uh, your email said, I'm a new listener to the podcast, heard about you through a polyamory group that I recently joined, and I am working backwards through your published episodes. Just listened to episode 152, so just a handful ago, and wanted to throw out there that a dictionary doesn't determine what is a word. Usage and popularity determines that. Ah. Once a word reaches a certain level of popularity, as determined by a board that regulates the Oxford English Dictionary or Merriam-Webster, the word is added to the dictionary for the purposes of recording the word and its usage. This can be seen particularly well in the full-slash-unabridged version of the uh, Oxford English Dictionary, where it offers the etymology and variations of the word. If you are interested in this sort of linguistic information, the Something Rhymes with Purple podcast is a great resource. So my Just the Tip is like, I, I've, I'm only halfway through my very first episode. I started with um, with episode titled Literally, and uh, it's a British show. They, they at least in this episode... Uh, it's exactly the information that William just provided in that email. They're talking about what the job of the dictionary is because a handful of episodes ago, Jeremy, I, I told you that irregardless is now in the dictionary. Mm. So what William's telling us, obviously, is, is it's not a right. word because it's in the dictionary. It's not the dictionary's job. The dictionary just goes, oh, this is a word that's being used? Then let's make sure that we have a resource for people to go and turn to to find the a definition because when we were in mm. third year of of university doing period piece theater like 18th century theater or night i can't remember we 18th had to century was use what we were doing, yeah. hard copies of the oxford english dictionary there were like flipping through these ginormous books and remember yeah. all of the it would yeah. be like here's the word water and it would be like eight pages mm-hmm. of all the different uses of this yeah. word and its history and definitions that it doesn't mean anymore. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's super neat. 
Yeah. So that's my just the tips is um, check out check out some words, but also um, something rhymes with purple podcast. Check out some words. Um, Well, speaking of uh, checking out words and meanings and um, and um, definitions, why don't we take a little stab at a brain boner here that sort of delves into that territory a bit, which I've been thinking, but we've been trying to get around to this brain boner for Christ uh, a few weeks now. And uh, we always just seem to like fucking ramble. Or uh, you know, uh, another word that's been brought up quite a bit as of late is the word verbose or bombastic, which has been words that have been used to describe me, which I do take slight offense to, but also totally fully accept because it's true. Um, and we were a little bit too verbose for the last couple of weeks, and uh, we didn't get around to this brain boner. So I'm excited to get around to it right now. All right. <clears throat> Hey, uh, hey, cuties, I have a brain boner from Ontario to pick with you. I am, I'm in several poly-oriented groups on social media. One topic keeps making the rounds and always creates a hot debate with groups very divisively on either side. Is polyamory an identity <coughs> or a lifestyle choice? I can, I honestly can see it from both sides, but definitely feel more towards it being an identity itself. I dated monogamously for the larger part of my dating career up until about two years ago. I'm 29 now. It very much felt like the normal thing to do or the default until I chose to start dating non-monogamously. The thing is, I've never felt more right and comfortable with dating until now and often think I could have always dated this way had I been aware of it before. Monogamous people always lead with statements like, I'm just not wired that way, or I could never do that. These are very much identity-oriented statements to me. So if monogamy is the default for many, could poly not also be for some people? I think about it in terms of being straight versus in the rainbow spectrum. At one time, this was considered a sinful lifestyle choice compared to the default straight. We... No, we now know that people are born that way. It's not a choice, even if they attempted to live a straight life before coming out. Could the same be true for polyamory? Would love to hear your thoughts, Shannon. What are your thoughts on that? I think if I'm, um, I've, so we've read this email now a handful of times because we keep going to read it, and I this is this I'm all tangled up because of all the words that we've been using. Mm. Um, so I'm a little confused, but I think what she's asking, I think my answer to what she's asking is, um, I think in terms of common traits in the polyamorous community, James Cantor was saying that, you know, brains tested that they, they did tend to be people who seem to be more adventurous generally. So I feel like, it is, I think you're born that, you're, you're born to, to be maybe more swayed or interested in a polyamorous lifestyle. I guess that's what we call it. Lifestyle versus identity. I'm just very puzzled about what identity is. Well, you know, I don't identify as a gay male. Right. Because... When I jerk off at night, mm-hmm. I have heterosexual thoughts mm-hmm. where I'm I'm engaging in sex and things that make me think about sex and things that excite me that have to do with the opposite sex of me. So I don't identify as gay. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I identify as a straight male. Or a straight-ish male. Like, I, ident- I identify as straight. I, guess- I don't live a straight lifestyle. You know? <laughs> like, I'm not like, oh, I'm living that straight lifestyle. I, I, identify, <laughs> as, I identify as straight. Now, if I'm um, a straight male who is with a partner... And me and that partner really are in the, to the idea of going to parties and exchanging our partners like, you know, mm-hmm. like a, like a, a, you know, swingers that like that's, that makes sense to me is like, that's a lifestyle choice. Like we, we, we live a lifestyle where mm-hmm. we, we, yeah. we swap partners and, and go to parties and, and surround ourselves with social groups where there's an excitement to the idea of being intimate and sexual with our 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 you know our friends. Um, now, is there a swinger out there who's who's going to go? But I identify as a swinger. Yeah, maybe. This is the thing about this question that I I don't think I think if you are if you take a hard stance on one side or the other, you're both wrong. I don't think. I don't think anything is black and white. And I think we really get caught up in this idea that like things have to be labeled and stuck in this one way. I don't know the answer. I don't know if the, and and I don't know if there is a fucking answer. There probably isn't, really. But I think I think what I've taken from all the conversations we've had in this podcast and from just just all the experiences that I've had in the last 32 years of my life I think it could be, it can be whatever, it's whatever you want to make it. It's just like tarot. It's whatever you want to take from it. If you look at, if you look at it and you just think it's silly bullshit and it's not going to fucking give anything to you, then it is. It's silly bullshit and it's not, you're not going to get anything from it. If you look at it and subscribe to it so deeply that it's going to make every decision that you make going forward from this day out, then yeah, that's what that's that that is the power you're giving it. And if it's this fun thing that you like to do to, you know, to like explore certain parts of yourself, then it's that it's, it's whatever you, whatever you make of it. I think the same thing is to be said for polyamory. It's whatever you make of it. I'm sure there's some people out there that feel like, they deep down in the cellular level of their body, they could never be with one person for the rest of their life. Now, if you feel that way and you identify that way, it doesn't sound like it's a lifestyle choice. It feels like it's like this some innate thing inside you that is it makes it incapable for you to be anything but polyamorous. And so that person's just making it what it is to them. They're closing off the opportunities of finding love that would that would that, that makes sense to them that they would be in this one monogamous setup for the rest of their life. Um but I think that I, you know, I think the way that I, the way that I look at it is like, I, I think, I think I'm, I, I would be, I think I would be open to both. I would be fully just as open to either thought of it being a lifestyle or, or, a, or a identity because it's, you know, where I stand right now in my life, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around the idea of only having one 
intimate partner for the rest of my life. Um, But I don't know what, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what is going to happen tomorrow. I have no idea what experience I could potentially find myself in that may completely shift my entire paradigm of what it means to exist as a sexual being. I don't know. You know, if you had asked me if I identify as polyamorous 15 years ago, I would have been like, nope. And nor do I ever see myself identifying that way. Doesn't make sense to me. Well, now look at me. Yeah. Does that mean I'm living a lifestyle? I don't see it that way. I don't define it as a lifestyle. Does it mean that I'm, it's an identity and I was born this way? Mm. And there's some sort of chemical reaction or some sort of neuro like, highway that, that, is, that is stuck and not capable of shifting and I'll always be this way for the rest of my life? Some might think that. But I also don't, I also don't, I don't think that that doesn't resonate with me either. Yeah. I think we're, I think we as humans are far more malleable than we, than we often give ourselves credit for. And that's not to say that, you know, if someone who identifies as, because they were using this as an example, like, you know, people are born gay. Sure. Totally. hundred percent. But also I feel like there's people who are born gay that, also aren't so stuck in the idea of going, I'll never have sex Be straight. with the opposite sex. Right. I think, we, I think we're much more fluid in, mm. in many, 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 many different facets of our life, including gender, including sexual identity, including sexual preference, including fucking, including fucking, you know, you're, you're, whether you like carbonated water or not, like it, it's like we, we, we evolve, we move, we morph, we, we're constantly changing. We're fucking constantly changing. And we're, we're changing based off of our biology. We're changing based off of our environment. We're changing based off of our experiences. Like it's, we are just, a, we're just this glob, this fucking big old sea that is just constantly moving and flowing and, and some of us are like rocks in that sea where we, we hold on and we're not like we don't we're not going to be open to flowing with the current. And some of us are dude, some of us are just so let go that, you know, we're just going on whatever, whatever fucking just ragdoll and whatever, you know, wherever the wherever the current takes you. And some of us are kind of in between where we don't really know. Trying to like steer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with a rudder. I think about that that metaphor for navigating <laughs> life very often, just like steer like steering a ship. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I love everything you just said, Jeremy. I I think identity f- f- like it feels I if I were to say I identify as a as a uh straight woman. I'm like, but I don't ident I don't walk around identifying myself as straight. You know what I mean? Like I don't mm. really feel like as soon as I start saying I identify as, I already feel like I kind of restricted, kind of mm. constricted. Like same that's been with my whole deal with my career my whole life. It's like yeah. I identify I am a yo I am a yoga teacher. Right. I'm like, 
but I feel uncomfortable with that. Not because I'm not a yoga teacher, but because I'm like, I don't want to lock myself. So you know what? I was yeah. at a dinner party the other day, um, or backyard picnic, uh, barbecue. Um, and a person at the party said the, the, I just met them and they said to me, what do you like to do with your time? That was, that was their question. Not what do you do? Whatever. And I was like, I am wide open to you right now. Like I'll tell you anything because that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Yeah, I th- I'm not going to say anything more to that polyamorous question because I I feel like you nailed it. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. You know what I mean? Like, there's someone out there. There's people out there that are like that that identify as. I don't know. It's to me. It's just like it's life's whatever you make it, dude. You and if you are get, not if you get, a low fat mocha chilled, no, yeah. frozen whipped mocha. It, if you get if you get comfort out of, <laughs> out of saying it's an identity mm-hmm. over saying it's a lifestyle, mm-hmm. stick with that. If that brings you comfort, stick with that. If you get comfort out of saying uh, out of believing that it's a lifestyle, stick with that. That's for you. But also, don't 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 push that on anyone else who might not be receptive to it or who might not agree with it. You know, it's like if, if like the, you know, you'll see, you'll see people out there that are like, I identify as a, as a, as a uh, fuck. I don't even like, I honestly don't even know. Like people that, that are like, I identify as, as like, as like, f- like, y- like star child, unicorn link uh, person. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to sit here and go, y- fuck you. That's not Weird. real and you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. If that works for you and that's your, and that's what you identify as and that's your thing. Um, and you're not trying to convince me that I am, uh, that I am also a, a descendant of a Starlink child unicorn folk, you know, sweet. You must live <laughs> such an exciting life, like, and live that life. And I want to, I want to like, I want to be in your orbit. What? Yeah. What does it, what's the world look like through yeah, your eyes? Yeah. I love that. And here's some, uh, I was just thinking maybe I could use a different word instead of identify, but so some synonyms for identity. Oh yeah. Here we go. Um, We're playing the game folks. Yeah, no, I already told you uh, character. So I could say I characterize mm. as mm. Um, I exist as. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Um, How do you exist? I name, I name, I name myself. I don't know. And then the other ones I don't really get it. Personality, I like status. I like integrity. exist a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you, yeah, how do you exist as a human? It's <laughs> great. It's great. First date question. <laughs> that is my next barbecue question you, for how sure. Do you, and how do you exist <laughs> with your time? <laughs> <laughs> how dumbfounded would you be if someone oh, asked man. you? Oh, I would be so stoked. I'd be like, oh my God, yeah. How, How do I exist? <laughs> How much of a lag would there be from hearing the end of that question <laughs> for your brain to I'm go? I'm fucking pulling that out on my next date <laughs> for sure. Uh, oh, good one. Um, <clears throat> well, anyway, folks, to wrap all this up, um, love is wonderful. I love love. and I'm feeling lots of love. And I hope wherever you are, whoever you are, you are also feeling love and and searching for different ways to express your love and 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 giving all the love that you have and 
taking all the love you can take in. And um, we, and thank you to our listener who wrote in that question. And if you want to take part in this podcast in that way, by challenging Bridie and myself to dig into our, our vat of words to figure out <laughs> the how, best words, the best words to, to, to describe what it is to be a, a human. Um, you can write us, turn me on podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And, um, and you know, if you want to, yeah. So I don't know where I was going with that, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's go into the episode. Uh, super excited about this episode. We're talking to a past guest mom. There's the spoiler. Ba boom. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, it's, there was it. some great advice, Just I, some really great take home moments from this conversation, I think for both of us. And I seriously think, lovely. I, I, I think yeah. that, that this conversation was really healing in some, in, in some ways. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy this, uh, our conversation with Kate and, uh, we will, we'll see you on the other side of it. I'm kind of I I'm I'm really um, looking forward to this conversation because this is like a so correct me if I'm wrong we had a young lady on our show sometime in 2019 maybe 2018 time slips away yeah and and I believe they came on the show and and they had mentioned how they introduced their mother to to turn me on and. But they, but their mother had, and their mother really liked it. But their mother had no idea that that her, their daughter, yes. were, was going to be on the show. Yes, and and <laughs> and was saying that she probably wasn't going to tell her mother that she was on the show because I believe the the stuff we were talking about was in particular was her like her love of um, fan fiction, fan fiction, fan fiction, oh, and oh. cake. Yeah, I yeah, knew yeah. the I knew the fan fiction thing. Uh, so 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 but here we the, are now. Yeah, with, here we are with, with the mom. Of Imagine our driving down the 401 at 120. You're on your way to your sister's. You're listening to this very bubbly person, and there's, there's all this joking about hotel rooms. And then there's a mannerism or something in her voice, and I go, "What the fuck?" And then I really start listening, and then I'm oh like, my "Oh my god, that's my daughter." So it took you a while to figure it out. She was she... maybe 10 minutes in. Because I'm that, driving and I'm paying attention yeah, to driving yeah. and whatever. But she sure. did or said something that I, that was so her. And then I really started. I'm like, how can I not have known this was her? Her voice oh and everything. Oh, my God. And there's no way I was shutting it off. <laughs> how, like, how trippy was that? Was it like it was you... very, very trippy and very emotional. Right. In a, in, okay. So in, emotional is a pretty, that's a pretty big word. Like, do you mean? What do it, you mean? Yeah. Do you mean in a good way, in a bad way? Well, in a, in a, um, like in I a wrote, I literally pulled my car over because I was in such a state. And, but it was a combination of, um, I had incredible relief because, and I shared this with you and I don't know that this needs to be part of the official conversation. Sure. Okay, we can, out, make, out of respect make, for her, make, but yeah. you, you make, you make your editorial decisions. 
she had suffered a very significant crisis. And I was thousands of miles away when it happened. But she called me and I couldn't get home. And she would never tell me what happened. But Mm. she was a wreck. We had to bring her home from school. Uh, We took her to a doctor. The doctor said she was technically in shock. And she could be that way for a couple of weeks. And I didn't know and she wouldn't talk about it. And so my mind went to the worst possible scenario. And I assumed she had been sexually assaulted. That's where my head went. And through your podcast, I learned that that, in fact, was not what happened, that it was her reaction to this kink experience, which she did talk about on your podcast. On the podcast. Yeah. And the podcast for for those like for maybe there's some people that have just started listening over the last, I don't know, whatever, last year. Um, The episode uh, that we are we're talking about is 84. Episode 84 is January 2019. uh, Fan Fan Fiction Friction was the name of the... Brad, you're so good with the titles. Um, title of the episode. Um, yeah. So, okay. So um, I had been sort of living with this and trying to encourage her. And I said to her, you don't have to talk to me, but you have to tell the physician whatever actually happened because they can't treat you. Because I really didn't know what had happened to her. Right. So I was so relieved that that's not what happened. And I only found that out through your podcast. And that was several years later. Whoa, wild. After the fact. And anytime I tried to bring it up and talk to her, um, she didn't want to hear it. Like She didn't now, want to hear. I was trying to share with her my own personal experience with sexual assault. And so to make her feel comfortable and give her space. And she, I don't think she wanted to hear that her mother had been assaulted. Right. So of course, she's like, of course. I don't want to talk about it. We'll talk about it. I was like, okay. Okay. Turn me on. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 
No, yeah, when you pulled over, what, what happened when you pulled over? I sat down and typed out a ridiculously long email to you guys to say, oh my God, this is my kid, and, um, and to express my relief, um, sort of in gratitude to you guys. Um, and you did respond, Bridie, and, uh, and then I sort of collected myself, and I wanted to text her right away. And tell her how proud I was of her and how awesome I thought she was. And I waited until I got to my sister's house. And then I texted her and she was flipping mortified. <laughs> she was like, Mom, I can't believe you didn't shut it off when you realized it was me. See, she told me she was going to be on. But, she, but I thought she meant because she went to a live show and asked a question and you answered her question. Mm. Right, the, right. Because we had we had actually done a live show in. She had just her, been to Algonquin College. That's and right. Yeah. Blah blah blah. So I was like, yeah. so I was waiting for that, and so she's like, I told you, and and I don't know, I don't know. I think she knows I listen to you. She yeah. knows. Yeah. She introduced so you think, to I the think podcast. There was a. Kate, I think I'm, there was a thing where she yeah. maybe thought I would listen anyways, and in spite I, of her protests. It opened a big door for us. So I think you might be right. I mean, I don't know, but oh, I'm you, right. I'm her you, mother. You, I know. Yeah, you know your daughter more than I do. But I would say you're you're, you're probably right because it, it's like what a what a. I mean, we've seen this with Sick Boy like time and time and time again, where where we've had some we have someone come on the show, and they they show up and they go, yeah, I want to talk about my cancer diagnosis, um, but the odd thing is I haven't actually talked to anyone in my like. No one knows. And so it's like their way of going, look, I want to talk about this thing in a way where people will hear it, but I don't have to be there to like, cause I'm not ready for the questions or I'm not ready for, like, I don't want to have a dialogue. I just want to give you my monologue. You can process that information and, and I can have the space to like prepare myself for what's to follow. And I, I, so when I heard, when I read that, when I read your email, I was like, ah, this, you know what, this kind of comes full circle. Yeah. yeah, And so we have had a lot of great conversations since then. And, um, and then, you know, my life has changed kind of dramatically in the last several years, relationship wise and sexual wise. And, and so we have a lot of conversation about that. She's like, mom, you have to write to them. And I was like, I don't think so. And then I thought, ah, screw it. What (laughs) I I loved about um, something you said in your email. Um, you're like, here's my story. And it's sadly, like, so common. common. And I think that's that's kind of what it really appeals to me about, about this conversation that we're going to have is because um, I think we need to see ourselves reflected in the media that we're consuming. And I think that um, I would love to just hear your story sort of from the way you wrote it out, like from okay. you, tell us, tell us, yeah, For tell sure. us the whole thing. So I'm 54 years old, right? So I, when I, um, I, I married my high school sweetheart, so we started dating when I was 17 or 18 and got married when we were 22, right out of college. And for me, um, and I want to preface this too with saying I won the parent lottery. I love my parents. I love my mom to death. But what was role modeled for me, because that's what my mom knew, was go to school, get married, have kids, da 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 da. Like that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Right? So there was never any alternative presented to me. And that's what everybody in my class was doing. We were all going away to college or university and then getting married 
and getting on with living. So I uh, got married at 22, which when I think about now is just stupid and insane. And like who the fuck knows who they are when they're 22 or what they want? Who even has a discussion about what's important? Not us. It was like, let's plan the wedding, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so we were married for about five years. And you know what? It was good. Um, very, we're polar opposites. Polar opposites. I'm an extreme extrovert. He's an extreme introvert. Um, I love to socialize. He hates to socialize. It, like it was, how in the hell we ever ended up? You know what? He rescued me at a party from a guy who left me high and dry and I had no ride home. He was a friend first and then a boyfriend. So that's all it takes. I fell for the kindness, right? He's, he is a lovely human being, but we were not compatible. So we had our first child five years into our relationship and planned. And, um, four years later had our second child planned and, um, textbook pregnancies, none of the horror stuff I hear on your other podcast, Jeremy. Uh, everything went according to Hoyle, except after the second child, things really started to get messed up for me. So, um, in a physical oh, sense or a mental sense? Physical and mental. So hormonally, I was all over the place. Um, I felt depressed. So I thought maybe baby blues. Um, was not interested in sex. Um, I think that has a lot to do with having two little kids at home. Um, and I just kind of chalked it up to that, but I really was feeling uh, mentally really in a bad place. So I went to my physician and I got the typical thing that a doctor gives you. Oh, you know, you're probably just depressed. You're very busy with babies and life and childhood. So, um, you know, here's a prescription. Good luck to you. And, you know, um, antidepressants kill your libido. They don't help your libido. So that certainly wasn't helping. Hormonally, I was still all over the place. I had been on the pill since I was 18 and just continued on and on and on. And of course, I found out much later in life, that's a horrific thing to do to your body. And um, started getting really sad and dissatisfied with my life, but felt wholly unable to articulate that inside my relationship and um, just went about my business, raising children, working and, and honestly saying to myself, you're so lucky right? You're, you have a good job, good, good family, good, like, just be grateful, just be grateful and be thankful and like, knock it off. And I did that for a very long time. And then um, I think I said to you what happened to me was, so that probably went on, honestly, for about eight or nine years. Hmm. And I just journaled the daylights out of I just opened a journal and started writing. That was my only outlet my only outlet. And uh, so I, I, and I kept that for five or six years and then perimenopause hit (laughs) and the caring hormones go in the toilet. And uh, it was kind of like the best thing that could have happened to me other than the fact that, you know, I was a complete hormonal wreck. So not sleeping, um, crazy hot flashes, uh, just crazy things happening. So very difficult professionally managing that. And, um, deciding I wasn't going to put up with shit anymore. So I put all the focus into myself, was in the best physical shape of my life. And I did have a physician saying to me, you should go see a therapist. You should go see a therapist. I'm like, no, no, no. Therapists are for Hollywood actors, uh, self-absorbed individuals, and uh, people who have time. And I'm none of those things. (laughs) So I can't do that. 
And, um, and I put it off for four years, Jeremy, and then I went. And actually, I, I confronted my husband um, because I was a wreck. I was crying all the time, but I was doing it in my car so nobody would see me and I wouldn't interfere mm. with anybody's life. I didn't want to upset my children. I didn't want to upset my husband. I didn't want my friends to know. And professionally, I was always in control and always very competent. And so when it started to creep into my professional life, I had my office mate just kind of looked at me one day and said, yeah, I think you need to take some mental health days. Like, you're not good. So uh, I confronted my husband. Um, Here's how I confronted my husband in an eight-page letter that I left on the kitchen table. (laughs) Eight (laughs) pages? Oh, my God. Typed to my dad. That's a fucking novella. It is a novella. But I, you know what I did? I just vomited everything mm. from the beginning because he had no clue. No, he knew, he knew the sex life wasn't good, right? Sure. He knew probably not super happy, but zero communication skills. So, and, the, and the end of it was, I love you, but counseling is a non-negotiable. We are going to therapy or this is done. Mm. So he agreed reluctantly. And uh, we went to therapy and um, he quit after about, I would say, six sessions. It was too hard for him to see me in such a state. And because every session was painful and grueling. And I think it was like that because I knew the marriage was over. (laughs) I knew it a long time ago, but I was desperate to save it. And I was desperate to ensure that I did absolutely everything possible that I could before calling it quits. Mm. You know, we were 25 years married, 30 years together at that time. Right. And I was like, man, you can't, I can't just chuck this. Right. And it was so hard. I felt like it was all my fault, like, because I was not happy and I couldn't figure out how to get happy. I was blowing my family apart. Mm. And I think a lot of women feel that responsibility. And I wanted to go to therapy to help him come to the conclusion that he was better suited to be with someone else. (laughs) And I wanted him to make the decision (laughs) so that I didn't have to, Mm. honestly, because I just felt like I was making all the relationship decisions. And I was really, really worried. I was raising two daughters. I was really worried about what I was role modeling for them. Right. And at one point to help him understand where things went sideways, I literally took my journal and I handed it to him. And I said, it's yours to read. Like you need to, you need to catch up because I've been, I've been living in this space for quite a while and I'm like, you're being blindsided. And his um, comments after reading that really solidified for me. We're not suited. We shouldn't be together and we're going to call it quits. So we did that. But Uh, He was in a bad place. Uh, He had suffered um, a job loss from the recession. Mm. He had no job. And uh, so I said, I'll support you going back to school. So we had to continue to cohabitate while I was trying to hit the online dating scene. (sighs) Don't even want to talk about that. (laughs) But we will if we we must. (laughs) And, um, And then what happened was I was doing a long distance relationship with someone who lived in Alberta. And that's when my daughter had her crisis and called me. And then I just went fully into, you're an idiot. You're being selfish. Go home, fix this, put your family back together. And that's what I did. 
I went home, I reconciled, um, lasted, uh, I stuck it out for another four years, but a year and a half in, we kind of decided that this was not going to work and we would try to figure out how to get him through school, get him into a job and then figure out how to separate and go our separate ways. Wait, sorry. So you went back and and did another four years of like trying to make it work. And then after those, wow. And then after those four years, it was like, no, okay, we clear, like it's, this is very obvious. It's, it, we're better off. It was obvious to me. It it was again, not obvious to him. He was totally blindsided. He felt blindsided again. Again. Yeah. Wow. Again. And, um, I just said, I don't, I don't understand how you, because we, we were very intentional when we reconciled. Things have to be different. We have yeah. to be purposeful yeah. on what's going to change. We outlined all those things, and you know there was a there was a genuine effort made for I would say about a year um, mm-hmm. or so. But people are who they are, and it, I think it takes a tremendous amount of soul searching and internal motivation to inherently mm-hmm. change who you are. Yeah. And I didn't want to change who he was. I said I thought he would just be better suited to be with someone who was more compatible with, and I would be better suited to be with someone who was I was more compatible with. And I was very much coming to grips with this one person for life thing being mm. a bit of a, for me, a bit of bullshit. Right. Because right? it's a long time we we're living. A, yeah. Many I had read years. a ton of books. My therapist put me on it because when when my husband quit, I continued to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. and uh and stayed with it for quite a while so i read tons of books and did those things and kind of came to that conclusion that esther Perel talks about you know one person to be all things to you is ridiculous mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so do you I, do you now do do you now identify as non-monogamous or no. or or do you more so just understand and 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 like have a grasp for that that notion that it is silly for us to think that there's one person that can fill every role that we need them to fill. I think it's silly and it's folly and it's um, unfortunate. But having said that, I consider myself a monogamous person. Right. So when, when I re hit the dating scene, so I, I finally moved out, like we physically separated. I gave myself a year. I'm not dating. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to be by, on my own for a year. And then, um, and then I was really lonely. Like I really yeah. wanted somebody in my life. And so I hit the dating scene, but I was much smarter. <laughs> I was much more selective. I was much less desperate. And um, I waited till I, and it's funny because the person I met and I'm with and have been with for a year, they lost their spouse to cancer. Oh. Mm. Okay. So they lost their spouse. I left my spouse. Those are two very different situations. Yeah. Uh but, and he was just getting into the dating scene. And so we had some pretty deep conversations. And I said, uh, I think you should continue dating. I said, I think you need to know I'm only going to date you because I'm monogamous. I know that about myself. I can't date multiple people. I tried it the first time. It was a fucking circus. And uh, it takes an incredible amount of scheduling. And um, <laughs> and I couldn't do it. I could like, yeah, yeah, keep yeah. It, okay, who told me what? And I got to date what? Yeah. And it was just stupid. So, and he was uh, pretty blown away by that. But I really thought, you know, he's been with somebody for 25 years. He needs to go out there and really experience things and be sure. Mm. Um, anyways, and then shortly after that, he was like, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just going to pursue this with you. And we are 
wildly compatible, but we also have, I have all sorts of conversation. Date two, the poor guy didn't know what to hit him. Like I had, I said, I got questions and you got to <laughs> answer them. And we talked about things that most couples, I think, either never talk about, even yeah. in a 10-year marriage, about this is what I want, this is what I need, this is what I expect. Um, and this is, and I'm not settling and had those conversations, literally date three, date four. Mm-hmm. So, how, Kate, how old are you? 54. Do you like, do you think that, um, cause you're, you're pretty, you're pretty similar age to my parents and I look at my parents and you know, they're, as you probably know from listening to the show, they're they're they've, they went through a divorce and it was yeah. really fucking awful. And the <clears throat> things that were done were, you know, it was like, you know, I, I lost a ton of respect for my father and, and, but I look at everything that happened and I'm, I feel certain that it's all just a byproduct of the, of the, the social norms that they were raised within, you know, like the, the ways that like, and especially when it comes to like, like the ways that men view communicating and, and like communicating about like their own emotional intelligence. Yes. And I'm sure that it's more nuanced than that. And there's, there's more layers to it, but, but I feel really deep down that the, like the, that one of the biggest culprits of their, their, demise in their relationship was due to the way that our parents were raised um it is it is raised to communicate and i'm wondering so i'm wondering if if you feel like that if you were also a byproduct of that so here's the really fucked up thing about that in my professional life i am a professional communicator it's what i do for a living so i have skills right i love how you said that right as someone sent you a text it's like (laughs) I'm it's a great like communicator. So you're, yeah, See, you're just you're constantly communicating. Just, always, yeah. I just shut it off. Um, <laughs> no, but I literally get paid because of my communication skills, and yet I couldn't do that inside my relationship. So fucked up, yeah, yeah. right? And um, and I'm excellent at it in my professional life, and I was lousy at it. But there were just so many other layers of things. So one is yes, I knew I knew about my husband's background. But I didn't, I was too young to understand how that might have shaped him and how that influenced how he functioned inside our marriage. So alcoholic in the home, um, verbally abusive alcoholic and and, uh, a mother who just kind of looked the other way and often uh, blamed and yelled at her children (laughs) for the stuff that was going on in the house, like stop upsetting your father. Mm -hmm. And so you learn in that environment to shut the fuck up. You right. shut up and you put your head down in that environment. So even though he wasn't living in that environment inside our marriage, you can't undo a lifetime of being raised like that. Right. Um, and expect that that person's going to have those communication skills. And so that's that sort of when you get married at 22 and you don't know what you want or you need and you don't even have the skills to have those conversations. But it is. You are a product because you get married for better or for worse, Right. For better mm. or for worse. This is the worst. Suck it up and figure it out and plow through. Right? And both of us had parents, have parents. Um, his father has passed. But, you know, celebrating their 50th anniversary. My parents are going to be celebrating their 60th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, they made it work. Why can't I make it work? 
But I yeah. do think you're a product of they, your environment. They made it work. They, they made, made it, it work, work. But at what cost? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. We have those conversations all the time. I wonder a lot about my mom or my mother. And I said, I can't believe she's not an alcoholic. Mm. Right? Raising a number of children on her own. My parents raised a number of foster children. They moved frequently and often. And my mom was a very isolated person with very few social relationships other than caring for her children. Mm. So again... It, you can say one thing, but what you do is really speaks volumes, which is why I was so worried about what I was, what I say to my girls, but what I was doing inside my relationship, which was dulling myself down and being a completely different person inside my marriage than I actually am. And it happened gradually over time. I just did everything on my own and did my own thing and toned things down inside of the marriage and avoided doing things I really wanted to do because he didn't want to do them. And that just slowly kills you. I will say though, Jeremy, um, when we separated, we made some serious packs because we both still loved each other very much. Right. We both were very, very calm, sort of rational people. And we set down some rules so that we didn't do shit show things and we didn't screw our children up. Right. And we yeah. said things like, we will never do anything that our children will be ashamed of if they found out about. Let's govern ourselves that way. Yeah. You know, we will always put ourselves in the other person's shoes as we're moving through this to try to figure out what is that person going through and always try to make sure that when this is done, our children don't have to sit and decide who they're inviting to their special event because they can't have both parents in the room. We never wanted that to happen. So... It's sometimes those communication skills are so good for navigating terms when they're a little less emotional and hot. But then as soon, like both Jeremy and I are professional speakers as well. And then as soon as emotion comes involved, I'm like, why are you the only person I yell at? Why? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and you know what, even last night I was having a conversation with my sister and I was talking about some leftover crap from, because I, and I, I don't want my children to, like, we, we abided by those rules as best we could, but sometimes it didn't happen. And in my view, their father has done a couple of things that if they knew, they would be ashamed of him for, mm. right? But that's not my place to tell them. And it's really not theirs to own, in my view. They need to cultivate their relationship with their dad in whatever terms they want and with yeah. me. But I have a lot of resentment around those few things that happened. And I do a lot of biting my tongue when we're all in the room together, which is frequently, right? We're frequently all still socializing and getting together and doing things when the kids want to get together. Um, but it's a bitter pill for me to swallow. I'm trying to do let guys, it go. But... Do, you, do you guys get together for Christmas and stuff together still? We do, though this mm -hmm. year I, um, what's really hard for my, I think for my girls to understand is how hard it is for me to function in that little family unit and pretend like everything's cool. Yeah. That it's very emotional for me and it's very challenging for me. And um, so I'll just give an example. And it's because he's emotionally retarded. He just <laughs> right. truly is. And I, I, he, he's a kind, loving person. He's emotionally retarded. So financially, I was in a better position than him when we did, when we separated. 
So I owed him quite a bit of money. And he talks frequently when we're together about how great that money's performing in his investments. And I'm sitting there going, are you fucking kidding me? That, I don't want to hear about how my money is helping you right now. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, I have said to my girls of, in, of late, um, I said, your mother ate a lot of shit and bit her tongue a lot. And I, I just need you to know, you don't need to know what the shit is. You need to know that I did it. So that when we're together and I'm reluctant, um, so this year for Christmas, I said, no, I'm not replicating. Like my kids aren't kids. They're yeah. grown ass women. Yeah. And they wanted everything to be the same. <laughs> Christmas Eve, we need to do this. Christmas morning, we need to yeah. do this. I did that year one. My new person, their culture celebrates Christmas Eve. That's the big night. So I said, no, mm. I'm not going. I'm going to be somewhere else with someone else doing my own thing. And that was, that was, um, that did not go over so well with my grown ass children. Of course. Yeah. But I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 I can't wait for that caring hormone to drop (laughs) through the floor of my being because (laughs) I, what you're saying, I can feel so much like the containment of like the, controlled um way of behaving so as to not um offend mm. um to not Upset, you know any mm. of that stuff and mm. when you're i imagine you know when you're thinking of when talking about spending christmas with your ex and i think of this you know the closest thing i can relate to is like spending christmas with like my stepmother which is just like i get small again i go into like that container again and i can function quite well in it but it feels so exhausting right and it feels kind of degrading at the end of it it's like oh, i, I feel just... very inauthentic mm-hmm. and that really it's one of the things that i love about my new relationship and where i am is i am 100 percent authentic all the time inside this relationship even if mm. it's uncomfortable mm. i just am and it is freeing and it feels so good because I was authentic at work but I couldn't be authentic at home Mm. so yeah I mean I I still go to family things on his like they had their family Christmas and you know off we went because I love those people they've been part of my life for 35 years Mm -hmm. right but I feel exactly like you say Bridie it's like I go sit in my chair and I try to just manage and have pleasant superficial conversations and watch the clock until I can go. Right. This is a, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big um, <clears throat> and scary uh, uh, leap of faith, I would imagine. And there's so many reasons to make it. Like you've got these girls and you want to be this role model. And also you have this life and you've watched your own mother and other mothers of that generation, like never, never, I don't know, um, acknowledging maybe their own wants and needs. Um, what has, what's changed, uh, in your relationships with your, with your daughters and with your mom? So a couple things I will say too, I want to say at the outset, I'm extremely privileged in that I was able to get out of my relationship because I was financially independent. Mm. Mm. And that is not the case for a lot of people. And the amount of women I spoke to who were, I would be describing and they'd be like, Oh my God, that's my life. I'm living, I'm living that life, but I can't leave because of this, 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 and this. So I, I just want to acknowledge that. 
So um, what's changed now? Unfortunately, my mother is um, now in early stages of Alzheimer's. So um, not a lot has changed on that front, right? Um, I was terrified of telling my parents that I was separating because I thought there was going to be this like, oh, you know, shoot, you know, are you sure? (laughs) And that kind of like, like not disappointment in me, but just like this. And honestly, every fear I had was completely unfounded. Every time I told somebody, they did not have the reaction I was waiting for them to have. My mom just said, well, we just want you to be happy. Mm. You know, and I spent way too much time not saying things out of fear of what the reaction was going to be. So now, you know, fast forward as I'm in my new life, my mom doesn't really register my partner so much. She'll say, you know, that that fellow you used to be with, <laughs> you know, and that was, you know, husband of 35 years. Um, <laughs> or say hi to that new fella, <laughs> that sort of thing, right? But with my daughters, a um, couple of things, and with my sisters, I have three sisters. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very um, open about everything with them. Um, and we'll have any discussions with them. There's no discomfort at all. With my daughters, I try to navigate very carefully. If they ask me something outright that I think is not my place to tell, I will say, you probably should have a conversation with your dad about that. But um, if they ask me, uh, it's funny because they've got, they've uh, state number two with my current, I was like, by the way, not getting married again. So if that's something that's in your uh, dream world, it's not mm-hmm. happening if you decide to hang around with me. And so um, I can say my views on that have changed, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, they asked me, would you get married again, mom? And this was a very recent conversation. I said, you know, I, th- I thought I wouldn't, I might, but um, I'm not running into anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, when when we have discussions, and we have some pretty great discussions, I always say, are you looking for me to listen or are you looking for me to weigh in? Like, what is it that you want from me? Mm-hmm. And if they want me to weigh in, they're going to hear exactly what I think. And if they want me just to listen, then I just listen. And a lot of times they just want me to mm. listen. Just listen. <laughs> Don't give me advice. Don't try to fix it. Just mm. listen. Right? Yeah. I think it's a really... Um... I think you're the first person who I've ever heard who's like, who's used that as a tool of communication of, of laying that out as like a, as a question before going into a, a deep conversation. Yeah. And I think I, I, I'm just like, it's hitting me right it's now. It's really how helpful. Yeah. It's really helpful because my parental mode was fix. Sure. Fix, fix, yeah. fix, fix, fix. Like, I mean, uh, and, and in relationships we do that too. You know, it's like, it's not just like, you know, parent to, to um, child. It's, it's even within our like, you know, our interpersonal relationships or romantic relationships like that's. Yeah, but that that's a really I mean, listening is a it's a skill. It has to be developed. You have to I've been doing a lot of, you know, I I feel I said to my therapist at one point, I feel like, you know, such a cliche. I feel like if you open a book, it's going to say midlife crisis, chapter six. And there I am on the pages. Right. Mm. And she said, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why people hit that. And she said, particularly women. Because you, you, you have a lot of caring roles, you give a lot of yourself, and eventually your fuel tank empties, and then mm. your hormones hit, and then you say, screw it, right? And you make rash decisions. She so said there's uh, more women than men ever are leaving their marriages in their 50s. It's women deciding to leave, not men. 
Mm. And she said, there's a reason for it. Right. But, um, so that it is a skill and you have to work on it. And, uh, I, you know, I credit my kids, my oldest daughter in particular, the one that was on your show with being so incredibly mature and skilled at reframing things for me to put me in that place to be a better communicator with them too. Mm, mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, it's a really good tool. <laughs> what it, What is it that you want from me, right? Yeah. Listening or help. It's interesting. I feel like running out of caring hormones, um, I notice when I hit my bottom, what ends up happening is now I'm angry. I'm not, not only empty, but I'm angry and I'm mm. resentful for any, to anyone who needs anything from me, whether it's a partner or a dog or a friend, all of a sudden, I'm, actually, you know what? It's funny. It's like, it seems like there's a different tank for people that don't live in my home. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But, but, but for the people who run in, who live in my home, when they see me empty at the tank and like, the attitude of like, you know what? I don't, I don't actually care. I need to take care of myself. It's always, fuck you. I'm taking care of myself. You know, it's not, it's not like, you know what? I've, I think I'm actually out of fucks to give right now. And so I don't even know what boundaries I'm defending. I'm just angrily just telling people to leave me alone, you know, and it. But I think that's part of the challenge of when you're not in a relationship where there's really good open. And it doesn't mean that you have to be like everything has to be heavy all the time and everything has to be big all the time. But it's being aware and acknowledging and seeing and reading signs. And I'll tell you, both of us functioned, my husband and I, in this, well, you should know. You've known me for so long. You should be reading my mm-hmm. mind and you should be knowing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's bullshit too. Um, but I would do that. I'd have these massive meltdowns and then everybody go, oh, like mom's really I had it. And then I would recover from the meltdown and then everything would go back to the same as always. And then it would wait. Everybody would wait till there was another volcanic eruption. And then they'd give me space and maybe I'd take a day for myself right? Ooh, how mm. selfish. Taking mm. a whole day. And then I would go, well, I should be fixed and refueled and ready to go. And I, I would do that, you know, maybe twice a year. Mm. And it's a terrible pattern. And I see it in a lot of people. Mm. I do. The other thing I did, honestly, I went on hormone replacement therapy when I hit perimenopause. And it is the best fucking thing I ever did. And uh, evened me out completely. And, uh, and as I read and I learn and I consume things now, I know that there's all sorts of other benefits quite apart from, you know, not giving a shit about anything and, um, having hot flashes and not sleeping. Right. There's a lot of other health and brain benefits to that, but so I'm a big proponent of that, but to each their own. What are, what are those hormones? Cause I, I think I need a little bit of this, like not giving a shit thing right now. (laughs) Well, your estrogen is your caring hormone. So you don't yeah, have yeah. an excess of that, unfortunately, right now. Uh, I think I can find some supplements somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I got it. So when, when she first, it was funny because here's the other thing too, right? I had these plummeting hormones and they mm. mess you. And testosterone was one of the things that was like completely non-existent in my body, which all women have a testosterone level. It's just not the guy's level. Mm. And she put me on a low dose of testosterone holy dirty 30s batman i was like i could not get enough sex it was like yeah, yeah, how much longer before you recovered because i'm ready to go 
Yeah, right. Just a little bit of, and so there was that sort of like loss of libido, da-da-da-da. You know, I was on antidepressants for a couple of years. I finally decided I didn't want to be on them, got off them on my own. And then, you know, then started supplementing the hormonal piece. And it was like, holy Mm -hmm. shit. So, yeah. Yeah, that, I, it, it's very so free. That was yeah, fun. That, yeah, that that's, was fun. that's super interesting. That was teenage fun. But I can <laughs> say, here I am 54 uh, and having, I said in my email, the best sex of my life. Mm. Because yeah. I don't care. I'm uninhibited. I've lived that other life. I'm not going there again. And I got to tell you, I think my partner's pretty happy. <laughs> But would you also would you also say like you know there's there's the not caring and 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 that side of it. But would you also say that there's more that there's more of a connection, you know, like that that you're that you're that you're even more present than than you had been before. Totally, it's not right. all. I was with the wrong person. Now I'm with the right person. Everything's magical. It's mm. I've lived quite a bit. I've learned quite a bit. I I myself function differently, and because of that then the experience is different right so mm-hmm. it's funny to me how yes there are lots of things that can contribute to loss of libido and of course a new relationship is exciting and all of those other things sure but um there's just something else about um and it sounds so trite but like just that whole sexual freedom piece where I do not have a perfect body and I do not care about walking around naked in front of him. It doesn't bother me a bit. And before it would be like the lights needed to be off and God forbid a beam of light should hit me because I do not like the way I look and I don't want anybody to see that. I could give a rat's ass and he loves every inch of me the way I am. Right. But here's the other thing too. He expresses that never, never inside of my marriage was there that kind of expression of desire or who you look, you're looking hot, and like I'd like a piece of that. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was none of that, too, because I certainly my parents never behaved like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. lucky if I saw a kiss on the lips. Never mind anything else that looked like a, a sexual relationship. Right. It was an affectionate right. relationship, but I have a question. Sure. What 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 would be some red flags for you if you were observing your daughter one of your daughters in relationship and and what red flags would there be for you that maybe that relationship is is you know um not good yeah I have a daughter in one of those relationships Mm -hmm. and so I again tread very carefully because saying to your child this person's not for you and whatever else it's useless yeah so when things happen in those relationships, so um, repeated behavior and not learning from mistakes. So that's something I see. And so if I see that, I try to bring awareness to that for her. And I'll say, you know, you seem to be learning from the mistakes that are happening inside your relationship and your partner's not. You should think about that and be mm-hmm. concerned about that. She's quite young still, even though she's an adult. She's a young adult. Um, I think anything, I tell them the person in your life has to bring more than they take. Ha- they have to add more than they take. Mm. And um, you have to be happy more than you're 
sad or upset or anything else. Every relationship has its up and downs, but you need to be spending most of your time feeling good about being with that person and not having them make you feel bad about whatever it is, your choices, your decisions. Um, my youngest daughter's quite a wild and free and fuck you kind of gal, who, which I love. The other one's much more quiet and introspective and a bit of an old soul. Um, and to be honest, I've never been introduced to anyone that she's had, she's been in relationship with. Mm. Even though from the get-go, because she's identified uh, differently throughout her years, right? She came out to me when she was 16 and said that she was gay. And um, we've always been... You know, she's so funny. So do you have any questions? She's 16 years old. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, no. And I'm certainly not going to ask you how you know or if you're sure, because that's sort of horseshit. Nobody asked me that. And so she was a little bit relieved. But for whatever reason, um, uh, she, she talks about dating. Um, I know some of the people that she's dated, but she's never to bring them home. I've never interacted with those people. I've never seen her interacting inside those relationships. So I never, I don't see red flags and mm. things like that. But a lack of communication for sure. Uh, extreme selfishness would be a huge red flag for me. Someone trying to tamper you down um, and like um, so that you're not being who you are, who you authentically mm. are. Those would be huge red flags for me. Mm -hmm. Even my own husband. And it wasn't until he said it in a therapy session that I went... <clears throat> He said, it's like she's two different people. She's one person at work and one person at home. And the therapist goes, <laughs> I love my therapist. She goes, you think she tones things down at home? Do you think maybe she feels like she needs to be that different person at home? And I was like, fuck, like he sees it. He sees that I'm two different people. Why mm. can't I, why have I not seen that? Right? Yeah. But anyways. It's normalized. I think that's why. I think, you know, there's a lot of therapy books that I've read that, um, and even, you know, like I, I think I would say I've interpreted some of Esther Perel's words to mean like, yes, this person can't fulfill all of your needs. So um, in some sort of strange universe, that can also mean that that I may not be able to be fully authentic with every, every person. Um, and you kind of normalize like, changing your behavior to be in the presence of a certain person or just to get through a, a, a period of time where you have to share space or whatever. And it, it, it's amazing how much energy that takes. And I agree that one person can't be all things, but I, I'm pretty hardcore about my romantic partner, my partner in life. There are certain things I have to be able to rely on them for. Sure. Right. Like I'm not going outside of that relation. I'm not going outside of that relationship to become sexually satisfied. That has to happen inside my relationship. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to be open and communicate in this relationship. I don't need, need you to fulfill every need I have, but there are to me basic intimate relationship needs that have to happen inside that intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. That's good. It's good to be able to chart that out. Did you, ha did you know that in your marriage? Like these are the things I want and need and I'm not getting, or did you have to figure that out? Cool. I I think I had to figure it out after the fact. And the funny thing was when, when I got together with this person I'm with now, I was date two. And I said, I'm very clear on what I want and need. I've had a long time to think about this. And, and I'm not moving forward in a relationship where those things are not being met. And he said, okay, so I don't want you to tell me what those things are. 
because then I'll just try to be those things. Mm. I just need to be who I am and you need to decide. We need to figure this out. And and to me, that spoke of some emotional intelligence Mm. of not saying like, give me the list Mm. so I can start being those things because that's not what I want. I want you to be whoever you are. And if that happens to be the things that I want and need, great. We can move forward with this. But if not, then then this has been great and I'm moving on. And so should you, right? Mm. I like that. I mean, I don't know if if, uh, it's cool that your partner said that, like, don't tell me because I don't want to, I don't want to like masquerade as something that I'm not because I I, I think that we put our best face forward and we try to accentuate the things that someone else shows that they like, you know, and, and then, and a year in, you can be like, oh, wait a second. I've been playing up these aspects of myself. Mm, That's not true to me. (laughs) Yeah. But it's Mm -hmm. not, and it's not all of me, you know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think it's it was funny. There was a it was like an unscheduled date, and I I cycle a lot, so I was going for a a long ride. And he said, "Well, maybe we can meet afterwards." And so I said, "Sure." So I'm out on my ride, and I'm talking to the girls, and I said, "I, I got a hot date. I can't I can't hang around for a beer. I've got a hot date." And they said, "You're going. You're showing up like that, you know, helmet head, sweaty, and your cycling sure. gear." And yeah. I said, "He's going to take me like this, or he's not going to take me at all, right?" <laughs> Yeah. Like that's, that's just yeah. where I'm at. And they were just like, Oh my God, like no makeup, no blah, blah, blah. And I showed up and <laughs> clearly he did not care. Yeah. He was, he was good with it. He's like, I, I'm, I'm seeing the chick in the hot cycling clothes. So I'm good with that. <laughs> but anyways, it, it's funny how, how that stuff changes. I would not, that's not my 20 year old self or my 30 year old mm-hmm. self, mm-hmm. but it's my no fucks left to give 54 year old self for sure. Yeah. Have For you sure. ever been, have you felt challenged by, at, um, have, have you, um, coming in hot, like knowing what you want and need have, has, have there been any experience where you're like, Oh, I, I, I was coming in hot on this being something that I want, but actually, um, it's not that it's, it's something different or have have you been in your new partnership? Have you ever, have you had to reevaluate any of like the things you know about yourself going into it no i would say right now we literally were just past the one year point and so and living uh, living separately right he's in his space i'm in mine he's purchased a home that will be built in a year and our our hope and intention is that we'll move in together but we still have a lot of stuff to navigate before we get there um and i would say no like not yet i haven't had to sit and think the only thing i've softened on although I don't think I will actually do it is I was just so like, I am never getting married again. Yeah. It's crap. I don't need it. I don't need it to be part. So it, I think I would soften if for some reason it was really important. And I really could see myself being with this person long-term. I might soften in that regard, but I would take, it would take a lot of convincing. Um, I have some legal knowledge. And so I'm, I understand how all that stuff works, but it's just, uh, I don't think it's necessary. But in terms of my, what's really important to me and what's core to me, I I haven't felt the need to reevaluate any of it. Uh, I'm very thoughtful and deliberate in my conversations. And, um, and I think we're both learning some things from each other, which I think is really good. Right. I might be like, I know what I want and I got it all going on. And then sometimes he'll throw me a curveball and really make me think and and process that for a while. And I like that. I, lo- I like that part of the relationship. And then we have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But we can also say, like, sometimes he'll drop stuff on me and I'll say, okay, I'm going to process that for a little while and I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to respond and have the right answer or, or even that there is a right answer. It's like, this is my answer. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, but feel free. So, um, but anyways, it is, uh, it's frustrating to me how many women find themselves in this position and feel wholly unable like just let's just take the financial thing off the table mm. the responsibility for i'm breaking up my family this is my fault um you know and same thing i thought i was going to screw my kids up and all these things and like both of my kids were fabulous they were older and they said like again you just need to be happy and that if that's not staying with dad then that's what you need to do mm. you know and we'll support you and my oldest one says, it's funny because I, I said something to her about writing to you guys. And she's like, I said, so you may not want to listen. <laughs> and she goes, oh. live your best life, mom. Yeah. Whatever. doesn't matter. It's all good. You like, know right. she's listening. Uh, she's sure. going to be. She's yeah, going to be. Sure. I hope so. Because for the same reason, like sometimes there's things I, I would love to sit down and let them hear. But I feel Ooh. this responsibility to not color their relationship with their father because the mm. stuff that I'm talking about is between him and I. Yeah. It's yeah. not about him as a dad. It's not no. about him as a human being. It's about him yeah. inside our relationship. And as a, as women who are getting a little bit older, they might get a little pissed about that <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. you know, it might skew yeah. the way they view him. And I don't know that that's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I would hope that what they would do is have a, good conversation with their dad about it maybe ask him about yeah. it and and i'm not an idiot either that's my perception that's my view and it's colored by my experience so mm-hmm. um he may have a very different version of events <laughs> to share with them which is fine and then it's up to them to figure it out right it's amazing because we don't really owe anyone explanations about our relationships but then you, you have i mean i don't have kids but you have you have kids and then you know it's like well they're you know, they're all, they're a byproduct of our relationship and, but it's so great. And your kids will be quick to say, I'm not you, you know, I'm not you just because you, but you know what? I I didn't think I was my mother either. And then we all come to it and we go, holy crap. I just sounded like my mother or I just (laughs) did that thing my mother used to do. And I swore I would never be like her, you know, um, as a child. And so I think they can say that, but it's out of, sometimes it's out of a desire to um, you want to protect them. You want to say, learn from my lived experience. Please ask me anything you want. Um, and I know that the person you're with is not necessarily the person I was with, but there are a lot of relationship commonalities and themes and things regardless. You're not unique. <laughs> the problems mm. you have are not going to be unique. So just really be aware uh, of them and... Um, yeah, and they know. They know. Don't ask if you don't want to know, because I'll tell you. <laughs> right? They know. Well, I th- I think this is a, a again. I really want to stress. It would be if you haven't listened to it already. Um, uh, I mean, it, maybe it'd be really fun to listen to it after having listened to this. But episode eighty four, fan fiction friction, where our guest was V and Kate. I I just like I was really looking forward to this, and it it's. It uh, it did not disappoint. It was so nice to talk to you and to hear to hear your experience um, as a mother and as a wife and as a 
single woman in her in her you know uh, post perimenopausal post menopausal post menopausal life. Um, yeah, this is like this is. I feel like I t- I feel like I took a lot from this. Like I've <laughs> I personally learned a lot from this. So thank you for taking your time to sit down and chat with us today. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I, I do. Sorry, I, it's funny because it feels it feels like a boring story to me because it seems so common and so mundane. You know what I mean? Well, I mean that's like uh, it's hopefully like, it's relatable. Well, why the, the the film that uh, that Netflix film that came out not too long ago with Adam Driver and Marriage Story, Scarlett yes. Johansson, Marriage Story. It's like that's just that also is just a mundane story about so accurate. love and marriage and the but it's so fucking relatable and yeah. or if not relatable then in the very least it's like recognizable um yeah in in people that we've known or people that we have grown up to to witness and for sure that's what I think that's what these kinds of conversations are so why they're so good it's like it's like the same with um you know Esther Perel's podcast where you're just sitting in and listening to other people's relationship relationships dirty laundry. and yeah and and there's nothing I mean it's not like Jerry Springer style where you're hearing these crazy outlandish <laughs> things it's just the reality of the mundane of life, you know? And I, I love that podcast. I'm so grateful for tripping across mm-hmm. her because of you, Bridie. And um, it doesn't matter whether she's talking to a gay couple or an old couple or young couple. I still get tons of stuff out of her mm. podcast and her insights. She, I love how she nails things on the head and I go, holy shit. She's so right. She's and I have, so I have a feeling that a number of our listeners are going to see themselves in your story as well and feel... Mm inspired or healed you just never know when when very common story can cross your path and it can land at exactly the time that you need to hear it and i know that 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 this will be that for at least one person who's been thinking you know about yeah what what's a lifetime of happiness worth to me can i can i walk away from this life that you know i've fucking shrank myself to be to function and, in. I, and honestly I was almost like mourning the thought that my sexual life is over and I'm 50 mm. like what mm. like that nonsense. was just like a- absolute nonsense absolute nonsense anyways glad hear that, to hear folks? it your parents are fucking your parents are fucking <laughs> for more than procreation <laughs> they're fucking <laughs> yeah. for pleasure <laughs> like dolphins uh, uh, thanks again Kate this is really fun yeah, my you, pleasure Kate. take care well there we go what a lovely little chat that we had. Um, we hope you enjoyed that episode, folks. And like I said earlier, if you want to reach out, uh, turn me on podcast at gmail.com. If you want to feature your sweet old ass on our Instagram, at turn me on podcast every Sunday. And, um, and our Patreon. Big shout out to all of our patrons. We fucking love you. Speaking of love and, and wanting to express love i'm expressing my love to all of you so thank you love y'all uh if you want to send me uh send me some hate uh based on the fact that i love tarot now uh go fuck yourself uh take that somewhere else or you can submit that complaint through the website and turn me on podcast.com <laughs> yeah. uh okay that is it for this week until next week go fuck yourself <laughs>